This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Two hours of sports. Just in case you need some sports right now. We got you covered. We'll start with the NFL trade deadline. Uh, you know what, actually? The what? That's, 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 the that's what? What is that? Be rude to start there. Bear, how are you doing? I feel like that's what I'm we should fine, start. You're doing, you're doing well? Okay. I'm fine. That's good. I don't know what the NFL trade deadline is, but... Apparently nobody else does either. I don't think the NFL knows what the NFL trade deadline is. Yeah, the uh, the Cardinals did not make any additional moves. I don't think that part is a surprise. Um, really nobody made any moves. <laughs> the, uh, the Dolphins went out and got, what, DeAndre Washington from the Chiefs. And um, that's basically it. The Patriots got a receiver from the Dolphins. A lot of guys you've never heard of. Yeah, not, not big moves. I, I tell you, okay, the Patriots going out there getting Isaiah Ford, who I believe has 18 catches this year. So I don't think he's going to solve all of their receiver woes, or maybe any of them. Which team... Between Green Bay and the Patriots is worse at finding skill position, especially at receiver. I would say it's Green Bay. I mean, at least at least the Patriots try. They drafted Nikhil Harry. They have had Julian Edelman. Yeah, <laughs> Julian Edelman I saw, a while ago. I, uh, but yeah, I, I I saw a tweet today from Ian Rappaport that said Will Fuller will not be traded. Green Bay and Houston couldn't just. Dis- decide on value. I'm yeah. like, what? I, I saw Aaron Rodgers hasn't had another receiver in two years. It's it's more egregious that Green Bay didn't do anything. Because like the Patriots are two and five. They're not look, this is the fall, I guess, that everybody was waiting for. Um yeah, why do the Patriots need to bring somebody in? They don't need to. Uh, well, I they, guess if they, they need to field a team. Did you see some of the guys that were making catches for them last week, it's though? true. Uh, that, I mean, that was a winnable game. And if they had won that game, they'd still be in the division race here. Let me pull up the names of Patriots receivers. I know Demir Bird is there. Okay, well, I'm gonna. this is the game we're going to play, okay? I'm going to read you their first initial and their last name. You see if you can guess what uh, their first Okay. Jay Myers. Jason? No. Dang it. What J- is it? Jacoby Myers. Okay. Um, okay, so Demir Bird, <laughs> this James is going White. Well. Yeah, well, look, I mean, this is, this is proving a point. R. Izzo. So not Tommy. Ryan. <laughs> yep, okay. I so. knew that guy. He's the only tight end they have left. And uh, chipping in with one catch for 13 yards, I. Zuber. I have no idea. Yeah. No, that's it. Was that your guess? I have no idea. I have Zuber. no idea. Tia Zuber. What's his name? <laughs> it's Isaiah Zuber. Isaiah. So maybe this is why the Patriots need a receiver. Okay, I guess. I guess. But I think it's more egregious that Green Bay doesn't go out and, and do anything to help Aaron Rodgers because that is a team that is five and two. When they win their games, they look like a Super Bowl contender. You've still got one of the best, I don't know, what, three or four quarterbacks in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers. And he really only has Devontae Adams to throw to. I know they might get Lazard back. And, okay, I mean, Lazard is, he should be like a really good number three, hopefully. You need a number two receiver. The fact that they couldn't work out a deal for Will Fuller is mind-boggling. The only thing I can think is teams see the deal that the Cardinals got for DeAndre Hopkins, and they don't want to give the Texans anything for anything. Well, the only thing I can think of is that Bill O'Brien's not there anymore. Yeah. So there's, yeah, they probably said, no, we're, we value Will Fuller higher than Bill O'Brien would have. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not hard to do. It's, yeah, it's like, 
we value our players and we're not going to give them away, I guess. But if you're Green Bay, you have to go all in on now. There is a... I don't know how long the list would be of teams that really should be going all in on this season. But Green Bay and Pittsburgh are pretty close to the top of the list, don't you think? The Chiefs just won last year and they've got Patrick Holmes forever, uh, Pat Mahomes forever. Like They're going to be good for for if they don't win this year, which they probably will, but if they don't, they'll be they'll be in it next year and the year after. Like teams like Green Bay and Pittsburgh specifically and maybe Tampa, although I, I guess they sort of already have gone all in. Green Bay and Pittsburgh are the two teams that's like and maybe Pittsburgh doesn't need anything, but Green Bay specifically, they have a very glaring weakness. They're in first place in their division. They're one of the, I don't know, what, two or three best teams in the NFC, give or take, and they're not doing anything to to get better. That is that is surprising. All right. Actually, it's not surprising. Let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, we will start with the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Miami Dolphins this weekend. And Miami's going to be without Miles Gaskin. So if you've been at work all day, you're just jumping in the car or whatever, first of all, you may have Miles Gaskin on your fantasy team. You're going to have to uh, fix that quickly. Most leagues have waivers on Tuesday night, so hopefully Matt Breida's still out there because he is Miami's starting running back, at least for now. Gaskin dealing with an MCL issue, expected to miss three games. So, you know, it's the NFL. Maybe it's only two, maybe it's four. But either way, he's missing this Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. And so now, if you are Arizona, and all due respect to the Dolphins, who are 4-3, and three, and a lot of what they have done is because of their, their defense. And I think they have a good coach. I think they have a legitimately good coach in Brian Flores. But if you're the Cardinals, you are facing a team with a quarterback making his second career start in Tua, and a team whose leading rusher now is technically Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though he's not playing. Matt Breida has 128 yards this season. He's going to be the lead running back. You know what's crazy? Miles Gaskin only has 387 yards rushing this year and two touchdowns. I really thought it was more, didn't you? Doesn't it feel like, is it just because there's such a shortage of running backs in the NFL this year that Gaskin just being like, okay, made him seem more valuable? He's got 198 receiving yards too, though. He is a, a huge part of the Dolphins offense and he is not playing. So... It's certainly a winnable game for the Cardinals. It was before Gaskin got hurt. It was before Tua stepped in. But now you're playing at home. You're coming off a bye week. A lot of times you know that, that stuff gets uh, overvalued, it seems, this season in particular. The Cardinals, when they played Seattle, and then the, the Cardinals were playing on six days rest, and Seattle was playing on 14, it didn't really seem to hurt Arizona. Uh, so now you're coming the other way, and, and you're hoping that it, uh, it works in your favor this time, that you're the rested team. Cardinals have injuries too, but Miami playing without their lead back and starting a quarterback that has only made one career NFL start. And it wasn't all that amazing. It wasn't bad to his game last week, but it wasn't anything special. So stay tuned. We'll certainly we'll get more into it throughout the week and the show tonight. But that is shaping up as a game the Cardinals probably need to probably need to have because they probably should have it, at least on paper. Now sticking with the NFL. A little more clarity in terms of what it would take for that 16-team playoff to happen. This is Adam Schefter. The competition committee held a Zoom call this afternoon, and the competition committee plans to present 
a resolution to owners that if there is no week 18, if they cannot expand to a week 18, that they would expand the playoff field to 16 teams, eight in each conference. And if teams lose games here due to COVID in the second half of the season, and by the way, the league and the Players Association have done a great job preventing that. But if they do lose games without buys, then they could wind up switching to a playoff format that would just have eight teams in each conference. They'd be seated. They would go against each other. There would be no buys. And that would come later this season. I'm all for having a contingency plan. I get what the NFL is doing, and it it makes sense. I just hope we don't get to that point. It would would cheapen the season to me if in Week 12 we just decide, hey, we're adding additional playoff teams. And... It also, I mean, if you are a team that is vying for the number one seed in your conference, and actually, technically, the Cardinals are, are in that race. Certainly, um, I don't. I would just, I would hate that we get to like week twelve, week thirteen, and all of a sudden the NFL says, "Okay, the number one seed doesn't get a buy. Nobody gets a buy. That buy is so huge in the NFL, and uh, and we're just going to add an additional team because you start to add eight teams in each conference, you're getting some bad football teams in the playoffs." But at the same time, I know the flip side is like, okay, well, if you're the one seed, you're just going to play that eight seed. It should be a free win. There's not a lot of free wins in the NFL this year unless you're talking about the Jets or somebody from the NFC East. So I hope it doesn't come to that for a lot of reasons. I mean, if it comes to that, that means something else happened and a team or teams had to get moved around on the schedule again. But I also just I don't like the idea of adding playoff teams and, and taking away playoff buys in the middle of the season. You'd like to at least just have that on the table at the start of the year if you're going to do that. So I understand not a perfect year. There's not going to be a lot of perfect solutions, but I just hope it doesn't come to that. Speaking of not a perfect year, more trouble for the uh, Wisconsin football team. Their game against Purdue this weekend has been canceled as well as Wisconsin. What was it? Bear, it was 27 people 27 with the active cases of COVID-19 on their it's roster. Crazy. So, I mean, with the Big Ten, they don't have wiggle room to reschedule games. Wisconsin already missed their game last week. They will miss their game against Purdue this week. And, uh, I mean, that's hopefully not a reality that Pac-12 has to deal with. But uh, it certainly certainly hangs over all the college programs, I would say, right now. And this is why I keep coming back to this point. If if any of the sports this year is going to have an asterisk next to who wins the championship, to me, it is college football because of stuff like this. Not that Wisconsin was going to make the playoff or Purdue or Nebraska, who they were supposed to play last week, but it's just you have that going on. You have Trevor Lawrence not playing against Notre Dame this weekend because of COVID. And I, and I understand, you know, you could say, well, he may have got hurt if he was playing last week, if everything was fine. Yeah, okay, but he didn't. And now the best player in college football is not playing in one of the biggest games of the season because of it, too. And I'm not saying you shouldn't play the games. I'm not saying that that's, you know, it could affect any team. I get that. But when you look back at the end of the season, as much as I don't like the Lakers, I feel like that was a pretty legit playoff. As much as I don't uh, like the Dodgers, I feel like that was a pretty legit playoff. Hockey, I feel like, was a legitimate playoff for Tampa Bay to win. So far, so good with the NFL. College football, depending who wins, I wonder if we might look back and just say, yeah, that was that was just a weird, weird year. All right, we come back. We'll get deeper into that matchup with the Dolphins that's coming up on Sunday. A chance for the Cardinals to go 6-2 and two and perhaps jump into first place in the NFC West. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you on this uh, uneventful Tuesday evening. I think I heard it's National Sandwich Day, isn't it? Something's going on. I, no, I, I believe it actually is National Sandwich Day. I'm not, I wouldn't just make that up. I wouldn't just throw that out there willy-nilly. Uh, but we are going to talk about the Cardinals and Dolphins game that is coming up on Sunday. The Dolphins will be playing with Tua at quarterback and without Miles Gaskin. It appears Matt Breida will be their uh, their starting running back for this one. This was uh, this was Tua on Sunday. In case you haven't heard it yet, after the uh, the game against the Rams, critical of his own uh, performance. You know, I, I don't think I played to the standard of what this offense is capable of. Um, you know, there were there were certain plays where you know I could have stepped up and, and made the right throw, um, made the right decision. But uh, I've, I've heard heard it many times from the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, it's it's good that we still came out with the win. Um, and aside from that, you know, <laughs> thank God we got a good defense. So when we do start to, you know, string good plays together, we know that we can be able to make plays and then, you know, get the ball back and continue to try to do the same. They do have a good defense. It's a, it's a very underrated defense. It's not going to be an easy game for the Cardinals by any means. I think we're going to look back at this draft class and it's going to be a pretty good quarterback crop. At the very least, I mean, Joe Burrow already looks like he is on his way to greatness, or at least as much greatness as playing for Cincinnati will allow him. Justin Herbert, I think, has been surprising just in the sense that he's been this good this quickly. He was good at Oregon. He was a top 10 pick, so it's you know he, he's supposed to be good. But for him to step in, he wasn't supposed to start as early as he did, to not have the offseason and everything. And, and to step in and, and look as, uh, as, as just dynamic as he has, really, in these first few games for the Chargers, he's been impressive. And I think Tua's going to be good. Now, I don't know exactly, we were talking about this last night on the show, you know, who's going to have the best career out of these three guys, and, and how do you measure it? I mean, Tua's on a better team than Cincinnati or the Chargers, so he has a better chance to step in and win games. Is he going to be as prolific as a passer as guys like Burrow and Herbert? None of that really matters to the Cardinals, as long as they exploit the fact that this is only his second career start on Sunday. He threw a couple passes against the Jets back on October 18th. But other than that, you know, prior to playing Sunday, he hadn't played in like a year. He hadn't played football, let alone NFL football. I don't care who you are. If it's your second NFL start, you're exploitable. And that's what the Cardinals need to, to find a way to do. And obviously the, the simplest way to do that is to get pressure on him and make him feel uncomfortable. I'm interested to see how Tua being left-handed changes up the defense or if that poses any sort of challenges to the defense of the Arizona Cardinals and, and to you know most teams because you just don't see a lot of left-handed starting quarterbacks. And I'm sure in some ways it's probably a little bit of a challenge to his receivers just because the ball comes out differently and they are used to playing with a like it's it's not like Tua started since week one they were playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick the first few weeks so they're used to catching a righty these guys are pros I'm sure they can adjust to it pretty quickly but uh, I do wonder as a defense if you're stepping in there and facing it if that's gonna if it's gonna pose any sort of challenge for the Cardinals this is a game they gotta have you know and, and I've made this point before that the rest of their schedule now all of these games look a lot more winnable than they did even a few weeks ago but especially the Miami game is as impressive in the sense that they have exceeded expectations that the Dolphins have been 
so far. Rookie quarterback and a backup running back. You know, <laughs> I guess they don't have Isaiah Ford now either because they traded him to the Patriots. I don't think that was going to make a huge difference. But this is the sort of game that if you are serious about, certainly if you're serious about challenging for the division, you got to have this one. The Dolphins have already done you a favor by beating both the 49ers and the Rams, but that favor goes away if you then lose to the Dolphins too. So as excited as Cardinals fans, and I'm sure probably the team was, watching the the Rams lose to Miami last week and watching San Francisco lose to them a couple weeks ago, well, that all goes out the window if the Cardinals lose to them too. So you, you, can't, you can't do that. Now, the question is, how are the Cardinals going to come out of the bye week? Because last year, they did not come out of it well at all. Uh, here's Cliff Kingsbury asked about that yesterday. I feel better about it. I, I think um, it was just new to us, to me personally, having that much time off during a season, a football season. I probably didn't handle it very well from the head coach's position. and um, We definitely took a look at it during the offseason to see how we could be better. and um, We feel like we implemented a good plan. and um, Obviously, we hope it pays off, but we'll see. I, like I said, I think a huge part of it is just the players being able to be here every day. A lot of them, you know, come in, work out, get some treatment, and stay more locked in than maybe on a, a normal uh, bye week when you have that much time off. Yeah, if you look back at the bye week last year, and I'll sort of reset the scene for you. They went into the bye in week 12. The Cardinals were 3-7-1, and one, but, you know, again, last year, rookie quarterback, uh, rookie head coach, you're not so concerned with the record a- a- as much as you are with progress. And the three games, they were riding a four-game losing streak into the bye week, but the last three games prior to that, was the the close Halloween night loss to San Francisco by three, the loss in Tampa by three on November 10th, and the loss in San Francisco by 10. But if you recall, that's actually the game where they they outplayed San Francisco for a good chunk of it. The Cardinals were playing, relative to their skill and experience last year, they were playing fairly well going into the bye week last year. They came out, they played the Rams, they lost 34-7. And since then, they really haven't had, I mean, that that was probably, that's, that's probably their worst game in a year in a calendar year, is that game against the the Rams coming out of the bye week last year. Because after that, they lost to Pittsburgh when it was close. They beat Cleveland, they beat Seattle, and they played the Rams close in Week 17. And this year, they really haven't had any bad games. I guess you would say the Carolina game has been the worst, certainly. Playing without Buda, you you lose by 10. It probably wasn't even that close. But whatever. I mean, you're going to have games like that. The game last year coming out of the bye week against the Rams was just so disheartening because... You're trying to talk yourself into progress, even when there are losses, and then you come out and just get hammered by the Rams. And and like I said, though, they played much better the last four games, and they've been exponentially better this year. So I do hope the Cardinals learned from, the, from their bye week. Whatever they did on the bye week last year, just do the exact opposite. And the way uh, Kingsbury has been talking about the bye this season, I, I feel like maybe that's exactly what they did, actually. <laughs> NFL news and notes to pass along to you. If you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, I'm sorry. They might not be even going with Ben DiNucci this weekend. So Andy Dalton is uh, Andy Dalton's just having a rough couple weeks here. Dealing with the concussion, now he's on the COVID reserve list. So the, the Cowboys are not going to have Andy Dalton this weekend, which means, okay, it's Ben DiNucci. Eh, eh, maybe not. Maybe it's Cooper Rush. I don't know if that's that much of an upgrade other than it kind of sounds like a, a cartoon character, or like some sort of superhero, or like a toothpaste, like Cooper Rush, like a toothpaste flavor maybe. Uh, so the news is already like bad a, enough. Like a 
chewing gum yeah. flavor. Yeah, like Cool Mint Rush or something, or like uh, Powerade or something. Uh, and they also play Pittsburgh this weekend. So. Not like it's one of the two or three best defenses in the NFL. So that's what's going on with the Cowboys, who are two and six, and sure look like they're going to go two and seven unless Cooper Rush is the next Tom Brady. In which case, I guess I'll just have to replay this audio in fifteen years and be like, "Wow, wasn't I a fool doubting Cooper Rush in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers?" Antonio Brown, I can already tell you, I'm going to be annoyed by this. The Buccaneers are just—they're too all in on Antonio Brown. He's living with Tom Brady. It just feels like they're going to feed him the ball. And so he's activated. He's going to play this uh, this weekend against the Saints. I'm just I'm already sick of him. He hasn't even played a game. I told you this. I I think it was during a break last night. It's just weird how close of friends Tom Brady and Antonio Brown seem to be. Yeah, like they're like the odd couple. Not nothing about their friendship makes any sense. It, it really doesn't. Not a whole lot about Antonio Brown has made sense to me over the last few years. Uh, and if he plays to his potential, I mean, when he started to go sideways, he was one of the two or three, if not the best receivers in the NFL. Tampa doesn't really need him. I don't know. I, I just I feel like he's going to step in there and sort of to your point, he seems like Tom Brady's best friend all of a sudden. So I just feel like Brady's going to be feeding him the ball. I just It feels like they're going to go out of their way to make it the Antonio Brown show. And I'm all for second chances, but Antonio Brown's had quite a few. I hope he goes off and has a great life. I don't need to see him in the NFL anymore. I don't need to see him fall up and, and onto a Super Bowl contender. And even if, if he's going to do that, then fine. I hope he has to like work his way in, and you know if, if he's gonna if he's gonna play a big role down the line. I hope he has to sort of earn that. I just feel like Tampa Bay is is so gleeful that they got Antonio Brown, and I'm just I'm already done with it. So they play New Orleans uh, this weekend, and that receiving core is just loaded now because Antonio Brown should be really good. Uh, Mike Evans, who Tom Brady doesn't seem to totally know how to use yet, they had a nice touchdown last night. Chris Godwin, who is hurt, but I think there's actually a chance he may play this weekend. And I mean, they've worked in Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. They've got Gronk. It's that's, that's it's like if you have any fantasy Buccaneers receivers. Yeah, they all just went down. Yeah, they yeah. did. Antonio Brown's going to take what little targets Mike Evans was getting. He's going to Mike Evans had a good game last night. Yeah, uh, and that was only because I think Chris Godwin was out. But now Antonio Brown comes in. Chris Godwin might come back soon. Yeah. Scotty Miller is that token little slot receiver that Tom Brady needs in the offense. And then Gronk is picking it up, too. So if you have Mike Evans, you might want to bench him. I'm kind of at the point where I'm, I'm rooting against the Buccaneers. <laughs> at this point. I don't know. I just, I, Too many unlikable. Well, yeah, I mean. It's just I, uh, Brady I used to love there. Antonio Brown, too. And it's his crazy oh, yeah. attitude. It's just such a turnoff. Brown, I mean, he was so fun to watch when he was just on the Steelers and doing his thing. And when he first, the first couple of years in the league, he seemed like such a likable guy. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, something happened to him yeah, something somewhere along the line. But he does not. Uh, I mean, now he joins this Tampa team, which is just, it, it, it's too patriot-y for me. It basically is the Patriots now from the start of last season. Antonio Brown, Gronk, and Brady. He's turned into a guy that's just now following Tom Brady around. Yeah, what an odd... Odd story it has become. All right, we come back. We're going to get into college football with the Pac-12 season starting on Saturday. We'll take a look, not just at ASU, but some of the teams to watch out for this season. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 
Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk, let's talk a little Pac-12 football. I'm excited for this starting up this weekend. Not just because of the ASU game, which is potentially a huge one uh, right out of the gate. The first game, uh, not just for ASU and USC, uh, but for the Pac-12 at large. Now, this is going to be a little bit different this year. You know, it's going to be a lot different this year. But it's going to be different in the sense that every team is playing every week now for the next six weeks. And then they're going to find a game for each of them to play, like a seventh game. But they're going to wait and see who's going to the Pac-12 championship. And I don't. they're just going to move teams around, I guess, so you're not going to play... I would assume you're not going to double up on opponents since they're only playing a few games as it is. But uh, yeah, all 12 teams are going to play, hopefully, over each of the next seven weeks. ASU and USC starting Saturday morning, too. Remember, that was a a thing that kind of got lost in the shuffle. The Pac-12 is going to have earlier games this year. So you're not going to have to wait till 5 o'clock and then subsequently till like 2 in the morning to get done watching Oregon State and Washington State in the middle of November or whatever. Um, Oregon is the only ranked team from the North at number 12. Now, they were a team that a lot of people had national high hopes for. They had a game against Ohio State. That's obviously wiped now. I mean, you're just playing the teams in your conference. USC number 20 and ASU not ranked. I think anything goes, honestly within reason, this season in the Pac-12. Some teams got more practice time. Some teams were in a better routine before before COVID and everything hit. I mean, ASU has their spring practice earlier, and it, they at least got a little bit in this time around. Now, that was also seven, eight months ago, so how much is it really going to help now? Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out. But, I mean, these teams are prepared. It's just you're not as prepared as you typically are in conference play. There's no tune-up game. You're not playing NAU and Texas El Paso, and then you have a game against Oregon State, and you're slowly building up. No, you're starting right out with USC. U of A gets Utah. That shouldn't be real pretty. U of A's over-under for wins is one. That's still... I don't understand. I don't like U of A. I hope they only win one game or less. But I don't understand why they why they are this bad. Especially because Grant Gunnell is supposed to be a pretty good quarterback. So I don't know if I I don't know if I buy the over under of one for U of A. ASU is a huge underdog in that that game against USC too. Minus eleven, I believe. Uh, you got UCLA, Colorado. Colorado's not supposed to be very good this season they are starting didn't you tell me cody that the guy they chose to be their quarterback was a safety a couple years ago that just that yeah he like converted safety that seems like it seems issue. like a bold decision yeah i mean at all positions to to try that at let's now try i don't know if he's a freshman or not like did he just convert from safety i only read it on the little ticker on espn yeah. <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> i don't know if the kids like played safety in high school and then transferred to quarterback or whatever there were a lot of teams in the Pac-12. I mean, you that, don't have him on your fantasy Pac-12 team. No, I, I, I the heck, I went, I went with a, a team that has a quarterback. I mean, there were six teams in the Pac-12 that, as of like a week ago, hadn't necessarily decided, at least not publicly, on their quarterback. And last time I saw, and yeah, we did our Pac-12 fantasy draft over the weekend, so I was looking at this pretty closely. Washington State and Utah weren't letting anybody know who their starting quarterback was going to be. 
until game time this upcoming weekend. So we'll see if they can keep that uh, that secret. I don't know, at a certain point, does it does it really matter? Do you have to hide the identity of your quarterback? But uh, just in general, looking at the conference, there's an opportunity here for ASU. When I say anything goes, again, it's within reason. Like, I could see Oregon winning the Pac-12. I could certainly see USC winning the Pac-12 with Keaton Slovis and uh, the receivers they have. And they've got like four running backs that I feel like have been there forever. That's a good football team. ASU should be a good football team. You lose Eno Benjamin. You got three running backs. We had Chris Cartman on last night. If you didn't get to hear that, I would I would urge you to go to ArizonaSports.com and, and pull that interview and feel free to subscribe to the uh, the podcast for the rundown. Just subscribe to all the shows. But uh, but that interview, I mean, Cartman knows, knows ASU football about as well as, if not better than anybody. And so he kind of gave us some insight on what each of the three running backs, DeMonte Trainum and uh, Daniel Nagata and Rashad White, what they each bring to the table. Because essentially... They're each going to try to replace like a third of what Eno Benjamin did last year. If they can get a running game, if ASU has, or if one of those guys emerges or all three of them are able to consistently pull their weight and do what Herm is asking them to do, like I said, I think ASU has a tremendous opportunity. You got USC, ASU, Utah, Oregon, uh, maybe Cal and Washington in the North. I think one of those six teams wins. And I think if ASU can run, I think they are on the list with Oregon and USC. I think those are the three teams if ASU can run. Because remember, Herm likes to run. And he will remind you of that with his play calling, but also in all of his press conferences. I mean, he will tell you about the running backs he had in the NFL, the Curtis Martins and Larry Johnsons that just ran and ran and ran. And then we saw it with Eno the last couple of years. So... Your, your skill on offense is obviously with Jaden Daniels, who kind of broke out last year and maybe could break out in a huge way this year, but they got to be able to run the ball. And if they can do that, I think ASU is going to be pretty dangerous. I, I, look, you're, you have to replace Brandon Ayuk, too, and he was, he was certainly a, an excellent player for the Sun Devils. But it's not like ASU is some air raid offense that is just constantly throwing if some guy isn't, if Frank Darby or LV Bunkley Shelton or any of those, Johnny Wilson, if those guys don't step up and immediately become Brandon Ayuk, which they, they probably won't, um, I think they can still be okay on offense as long as they have a few guys pulling their weight. And I'm also interested to see, and this is another thing Chris Cartman talked about, and Herm has talked about it, and Zach Hill has talked about it. It's The offense is going to look a lot different in the sense that we're going to see the tight end more involved for ASU. So if you're a Sun Devils fan, I think this is... This is a season to potentially get excited for, but that's just such a big game out of the gate. So (laughs) if you're going to get excited, get excited now in the next couple days because that's a big one against USC Saturday morning. Looking at uh, some of the playoff odds for the Cardinals now. Most places have them about 75% probability to make the playoffs. And that's assuming that it is a a, a seven-team playoff, not an eight-team. So if it goes to eight teams, honestly, at this point, I feel like if the Cardinals stay relatively healthy, which is a caveat for every NFL team, if they stay relatively healthy, this team should make the playoffs. I think they're going to win 11 games. I didn't think that at the start of the year. I thought nine or ten, and honestly, probably yeah, nine or ten. I, I wouldn't say I was hedging towards nine. Now, though, I mean, eleven is very much within the the realm of possibility. But even if they just win nine, that should get you 
either in or right there on the fringe of, of being in. The other thing that I don't feel like we're talking about enough with the Cardinals is they're 2-0 in the division. So it's not just, oh yeah, that was great to beat the Seahawks, and it was great to do it on prime time, and, and, and this and that. No, it was, it's fun. It's always fun to watch the Seahawks lose, too, so it was like a it was double whammy. Like, okay, they're also 2-0 in the division, which is huge when it comes down to tiebreakers and everything at the end of the year. ESPN has their power rankings out uh, this week. They have the Cardinals at 10. Pro Football Talk has them at 10 as well with the comments of, could they win the division? I think they can. That's the comment. I also think they can. I, I don't, you don't, you don't have a lot of success doubting Russell Wilson, but does Seattle really look that unbeatable to you? I just, I mean, and, and I know it's, some of this is because the Cardinals beat them. So maybe, maybe they seem a little less, uh, less invincible here than they would in other markets. But Seattle's played a lot of close games this season. They were relatively close uh, against Miami. They beat New England by five points, but it was really by about an inch and a half because Cam couldn't get in the end zone on Sunday night back in week two. Barely beat Dallas, although to be fair, that's back when Dallas had Dak. Barely beat Minnesota. Shouldn't have beaten Minnesota, probably. If Minnesota just goes up by eight, I mean, maybe Seattle still comes down and scores and hits the two-point conversion and wins the coin toss in overtime, but it should have been harder than it was. But either way, I mean, that's... it. I'm not saying Seattle isn't a good team. They are the number one seed in the NFC, and they deserve to be, because when you have Russell Wilson, you tend to win a lot of these close games, and it's not a coincidence at a certain point. To me, they are very clearly the team to beat in the NFC. But they're also only a game up on the Cardinals for first place in the division, and the Cardinals right now hold the tiebreaker. Now, obviously, Arizona's going to play them again uh, in about what two weeks from this Thursday. <laughs> That's quick. Another game against the Seahawks coming up. I just, I, I think it is, it's doable. You could win this division. It's not going to be easy, but it's it's at least, uh, it, it's possible. Did you hear uh, Russell Wilson? I think this was on Bill Simmons' podcast. Did you hear this, Bear, talking about how much time and money and just general resources he puts into staying healthy? How's this for a pretty exorbitant amount of money? I, I probably spend a million, if not more, a year yeah. just on recovery. You know, and it's because but it's 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 not just the recovery part of it. That's huge, right? And getting that. But you know, for me, the biggest thing, you know, you mentioned the, the body, the you know, all that stuff. And but the biggest thing for me is the mental game. You know, the mental game is, is so important. Yeah, look, I mean he's got the money. And it's not like he's spending it on Bugattis. Like, he's spending it on staying at at, at He still could. Yeah, he could. (laughs) He's he's got plenty of money. Um, A million dollars on just recovery from injuries and and, and getting banged up during football games. Yeah. Wow. How much do you think you spend on recovery in a year? Probably spend like $85 maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I guess it depends what you consider recovery, but... I have to go to the chiropractor every once in a while. I have a terrible back. Then you might be spending close to a million dollars. You just don't realize (laughs) it yet. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that is is crazy. But obviously it's working. I mean, for Russell Wilson, you keep doing what you're doing. But uh, I I do think... It's not that I think the Cardinals are necessarily going to win the division. I just think, remember, that's out there. It's not just, hey, are they going to sneak in the playoffs? Hey, we need to get to an eight-team playoff in the NFC so they can get in. Like, no, nah, they, they could absolutely win this division. That game on November 19th is, I don't have to tell you this, but it's it's that much more huge. It's not just can you beat the Seahawks again. It's potentially can you take over first place in the NFC West. 
Got to take care of business this weekend against the Dolphins, and it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be easy in that game in between either against Buffalo. I mean, they lead the AFC East. They don't look real convincing right now, but they keep winning games. But this is going to this is shaping up as a very um, just a very interesting second half of the season for the Cardinals. This, this could be memorable if if they are able to keep playing the way they have the last couple weeks. All right, when we come back. Because it was the NFL trade deadline today, and even though nothing really happened, we're going to give you a top five and a bottom five. The best and worst trades in the history of Arizona sports. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it's time for top five, but we're going to split this tonight. We're going to do the five best and the five worst. Just tweet it out from the show account, too, at Rundown987, so feel free to respond. The question I put out there, what are the best and worst trades in the history of Arizona sports? I don't know if this says something about our personalities or what, but this is how we chose to do it. I'm going to give you the five It best. says everything about <laughs> our personalities. And, uh, and Cody's going to give you the five worst. So... I don't want to do the whole list like right now. I want to read all five and then you read all five. So let's each give our five or our number five first. Okay. So, um, I feel like we could all use some optimism okay, today. Okay, you go first. Right? So I'm going to start. I'm, you, I'm, you can go first. I'm trying to read too. You can you can tweet into the show. There's I'll read some of these answers uh, next segment because we already got quite a few. Somebody Steve Lambert wrote in Shaq. Didn't specify best or worst, but I think I can figure that one out. Uh, okay, number five. I had a hard time between number five and number four. I'm going to go the Diamondbacks getting J.D. Martinez from the Tigers Ooh. for Dewell Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and Jose King. Yes. J.D. Martinez. I would have put that probably even further up, but I, I, I don't know. I wanted to. I don't know what your other four are. Well, so Obviously, that would ruin the spontaneity. Right, but right, right. right. I, we agree, definitely a top five trade. Yes. And also, we should say, too, we kind of noticed looking through this. The D-backs make more trades than anybody else. Yes, they do. <laughs> Most I I have three of my five are Diamondbacks trades. Let me just uh, reiterate too, JD Martinez when they made that trade in 2017, in 62 games with the D-backs, <laughs> he hit 29 home runs and had 65 oh. RBI. It was oh. unbelievable. Hit 302. They would have missed the playoffs if not for him. Because remember yep. Goldschmidt trailed off that year, and yep. then. I mean, he at least helped them get the win, I guess, over Colorado. There wasn't much after that mm-hmm. wild card. But yeah, J.D. Martinez, number five on the best. Okay, number five on the worst. Another D-backs trade. The Diamondbacks trade for Mark Trumbo Ooh. from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They gave up Tyler Skaggs. It was a three-team trade. Tyler Skaggs went to the Angels. And at the time, Tyler Skaggs is one of the Diamondbacks' top pitching prospects. And they also traded Adam Eaton to the White Sox, I believe. The White Sox. And then the D-backs got Mark Trumbo, which was all, which was weird because he had mostly played first base in Anaheim. And they already had Paul Goldschmidt. So they yeah. tried to put him in left field, and it was a disaster. He couldn't hit. He couldn't field. Terrible trade. I feel like there's going to be... You said there's three Diamondbacks trades on your... Uh... Yep, there's three. I, I, well, I, mean, I can think of one certainly off the top of my head oh, that you well, haven't well, named. I feel like well, a lot of these are going to be from the same well. era. Um, all right, number four on my list, is, I'm going with the best. The best trades. This is another D-backs trade. 
Getting Kurt Schilling from the Phillies for Omar Dahl, Nelson Figueroa, and Travis Lee, and Vicente Padilla. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it led to a World Series win. Yep, so sure it's, it's really hard to argue with that. So I have that. So two D-backs trades for me at, at number five and number four. All right, number four, this, I'm going with the Phoenix Suns here. I don't even know what the Suns got back in this trade because I didn't, I didn't even look it up. But okay. they trading away Goran Dragic. Mm. Which um, time? Well, to the to the Rockets. Oh, good point. I don't remember which one this was. Didn't they <laughs> trade him to the Rockets twice? I, I they yeah they they well they definitely traded him twice. Was it the Rockets both times? I don't. They they or no, moved the on heat. from Goran. The, the Heat. Yeah, right? the Heat. Okay, that one because that was the one after the whole. Oh, I don't trust the organization. Oh, I want the ball, but they decided to bring in Isaiah Thomas. That one was worse yeah. to me. And then they got rid of Isaiah Thomas. And, and then they got good. yeah, and they kept Eric Bledsoe, who didn't want to be there. So, you, yeah. all of your uh, your entries into this game are just making my stomach hurt. <laughs> you said Mark Trumbo's name, and I had like yeah. a, an unhappy <laughs> reaction. And then you bring up that era of the Suns getting a bunch of point guards, and then right when they got good, getting rid of all of them, and they're not having point guards for like three years. All right. Bold strategy. Number three on the list of the best trades in Arizona sports history. And I'm sure I'll get some pushback for having this this high this quickly, but I don't care. Getting DeAndre Hopkins from the Houston Mm. Texans. So you get Hopkins and a fourth round pick in 2020. For David Johnson, his contract, contract, (laughs) a second and a fourth. Just an absolute steal. Hopkins... Hopkins, coming into last week, and they had the bye week, so now the stats get thrown off. Number one in the NFL in targets, receptions, and yards. He's been everything the Cardinals needed, plus they got rid of David Johnson's contract and David Johnson. You cannot convince me that that's not ultimately what got Bill O'Brien fired. (laughs) Yeah, that's worked out so far. All right, number three on my list of worst trades in Arizona sports history. Going back to the D-backs, the Diamondbacks trading away Max Scherzer for Ian Kennedy and Edwin Jackson. Now, you might argue, you might argue this. No, you wouldn't. That Ian Kennedy helped you win the NL West in 2011. Fine, that's fine. Edwin Jackson did throw a no-hitter while throwing 175 pitches and walking eight batters or whatever it was. Fine. The Diamondbacks gave up on Max Scherzer way too early. Yeah. Way too early. He went on to fix everything that was supposedly wrong with him in Detroit and then turn himself into one of the best pitchers in baseball. Now, you could also argue, oh, Max Scherzer wouldn't have stayed, blah, 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 blah. But I would rather have had multiple years of Max Scherzer than one good year of Ian Kennedy. That's just me. Yeah. No, that's not just you. That's everybody that's listening right now, too. (laughs) Uh, I've always hated that argument of like, well, they would have left eventually. Well, then why I are you too. playing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing, right? Well, we're not going to try to sign this free agent because they'll eventually leave. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. At uh, some uh, point, they'll probably retire. Uh, okay. I just, that that was right when I first started covering the D-backs. And I remember there was all this, like, Max Scherzer love. This is our guy. This is our prize. He's going to be amazing. And then, you know, he pitched and he was decent for how young he was in his career. And they're like, yeah, we're done with him. And he goes on and wins. Yeah. Feels like he wins the Cy Young every other week. Um, that's not possible. It feels like he threw a no-hitter every other week, though, for a couple of those seasons. Number two, I know this is number one on a lot of people's list, but I'm going to go number two. Charles Barkley from the Sixers mm-hmm. for Jeff Hornacek, Tim Perry, and Andrew Lang. And uh, doing making this list, because you know originally you would look and say, DeAndre Hopkins has got to be up there, and he is. I have him at number three. 
There's been some really good trades in Arizona sports history, too, but none of them recently except for the DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> trade. I and guess J.D. JD Martinez. Was, yeah. That was three years ago now, but there was There's like a wasteland of like eight years where there was very few good <laughs> trades. I guess fleecing the Raiders for Carson Palmer, Chandler yeah. Jones from the Patriots. I mean, there are a couple, but... Yeah, but Charles Barkley, I mean, what that did for the Suns. I know they never won a title, but they got as close as you can get. And it just, I didn't live here at the time, obviously, when, even when he when he stopped playing for the Suns. But uh, but it just feels like it really put the Suns on the map nationally. All right, number two worst, worst trades in Arizona sports history. I'm going to stick with the Suns. The Suns trading for Shaquille O'Neal. Hmm. Now, I liked Shaq when he was here. When he got fully healthy, or at least healthy enough to actually play, he was entertaining. And he was entertaining off the court as well. But at the time, the Suns were on the brink of winning an NBA championship. They were this close. And they trade away Sean Marion, one of the big three that they had with Nash and Amari, for Shaq. And I'll never forget that year against San Antonio, Tim Duncan hitting that three-pointer over Shaq. And uh, not that that was Shaq's fault, but that just didn't work out. Someone in the front office thought it was a good idea to trade Sean Marion away. And I I don't want to say who it was, but... (laughs) But we can all figure it out. Yeah, that was just... And like I brutal. said, I, I actually enjoyed Shaq while he was in Phoenix, like, because it's hard not to enjoy him. Yeah. He's entertaining. He's a goof goofball, and he actually had some pretty cool moments on the court. But just as a whole and the direction that took the franchise, it was bad. Look, I I mean, that was essentially the same year, right around the same time as Scherzer. And I know this because that was when I first started covering the Suns, too. <laughs> and Shaq was... There's a pattern here. Still one of the most just enjoyable athletes to cover because if it was a national game, he wouldn't really talk much. Like he would come out and talk to the media after the game, but it would just kind of be like just very sort of monotone answers, whatever. But if it was a Tuesday night against Memphis, he would just talk and and there'd only be like five of us in there. And he would just has, I mean, it's Shaq. He's got the best stories in the world with all of that. If anybody's going to like that trade, it's me. It wasn't a good trade. <laughs> All right, number one on my list of the best trades in the history of Arizona sports, getting Luis Gonzalez from the Tigers. Yeah, that's that worked out well. For Kareem Garcia. I don't even know who that is. They should keep making trades with the Tigers is the lesson <laughs> here. And obviously that won them a World Series, the face of the franchise. He's still there. One of the best guys in the world to talk to. And, and, Retired number. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get much better The biggest than that. hit in team history. Yeah, one of the most memorable hits in baseball over mm-hmm. the last, you know, it's this century for sure. All right. My number one of worst trades in Arizona sports history. I'm sticking with the D-backs. You probably knew this was coming. I did. The D-backs trading for Shelby Miller. How'd he do? The, oh, horrible. Well, ask the mound because he punched it with his knuckles while trying to pitch. So that was fun. <laughs> they gave up in that trade just to remind everybody and to piss people off a little bit. They gave up. Yeah, everybody's in such a good mood yeah. today anyway. Let's just push them the over the edge. The number one overall pick in that year's MLB draft, Dansby Swanson, who is doing pretty well for himself in Atlanta. Yeah. Ender Inciarte, who at the time was a very, very good center fielder. Mm-hmm. And a pitching prospect named Aaron Blair, who never really turned out. But Shelby Miller was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. That but- trade was so bad. 
And you know what? At the time, I was like, okay, I get what they're trying to do. They just got Granky. They need a number two pitcher. I get it. Shelby Miller was having a couple good seasons in Atlanta, but I never, I never predicted they would end that poorly. It was so bad. And to trade a guy that you just drafted number one that same year was just outrageous to me. I remember, uh, I remember, you know, everybody being excited, myself included, that they had gotten Granky because it was kind of like, okay, the teams here don't necessarily do make a move like that very often. So you get Granky, and you're right, there was that logic of like, well, if we got Granky, we have to go out there and, and and protect our investment with a number two pitcher. I feel like there's other ways to get number two starters than giving up the number one overall pick in the draft from a couple months prior. Well, what's even worse, there was that report that came out a couple years ago that. There was a deal potentially on the table with the Marlins for Jose Fernandez, but the D-backs didn't want to give up A.J. Pollock. Mm. They were asking for Pollock, and I think Corbin, I don't remember, but I believe it was A.J. Pollock was the center uh, centerpiece to that trade. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I just, if you had traded A.J. Pollock, you would still have had Ender Inciarte to play yeah, center field exactly. at the time. And you don't have Pollock now anyway. Right. I, I just I remember Keith Law. I remember a lot of like national baseball experts, but Keith Law in particular, just losing his mind about how bad of a trade it was within like 10 seconds of it happening. Like, it was like as he was reporting that it happened, he's like, the Diamondbacks are making one of the worst trades in baseball history, sending... Dansby Swanson to Atlanta for Shelby Miller. Here's here's uh, here's Shelby's ERA in his three years with the D-backs. Why did you this? read the stats? Uh, 20 starts in 2016. A, a solid 6.15. Not, oh. not showing. A 1.67 whip. That's tough to do. How many knuckle scrapes on uh, the ground? It doesn't. Uh, that's, that's Is an that not an stat. advanced stat yeah. that they're keeping track? Okay. They, they didn't start keeping track of that until uh, Moneyball part Terrible. Two. Terrible. 2017 only made four starts. A 4.09 ERA showed promise. And then in 2018, five appearances, a 10.69. ERA, and that was that. Yikes. Went to Texas last year, a solid 8.59 ERA. Yeah, not a great trade. All right, so that was the top five and the bottom five. We'll read some of the answers when we come back. Hour number two, the show is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher, Bear behind the glass. We'll start the reload with the Cardinals game this weekend. A bit of a plot twist coming out today. The Dolphins made a trade with Kansas City for DeAndre Washington. I don't know that we're going to see him. He's a running back. I don't know that we'll see him much this week. I don't know how big of a role he's going to play for the Dolphins going forward, but somebody's going to have to step up at running back this weekend because... The Dolphins will be without Miles Gaskin for the game against the Cardinals. Gaskin dealing with an MCL issue. They are projecting he misses three weeks. Again, it's the NFL. I mean, that could be four weeks. That could be two weeks. But either way, it's this week against the Cardinals. And so now, if you're at Arizona, and not like you're sitting around waiting for your opponent to get injured, and not like them losing a running back with 387 yards this year suddenly tilts the, uh, the scales so heavily in your favor, there's no way you can lose. But that's certainly a blow to the Dolphins. Now you have both these teams uh, likely playing without their number one running backs in this game. It'll be Chase Edmonds in for the uh, the Cardinals, and um, Matt Breida is supposed to be the uh, the number one back now for the Dolphins. Which I will also just float out there for you because Tuesday is usually Fantasy Football Waiver Wire Day, and there are no running backs this year. So if you need a running back, feel free to pick up Matt Breida. Although I take uh, no responsibility if he doesn't do anything this weekend. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't, because he's facing the Cardinals, who now are facing a backup running back 
And Tua's not a backup quarterback. He's the quarterback of the future in Miami. And maybe that future is is sooner than uh, than, than anybody knows. But if you're the Cardinals, you got to make sure that future is not this week. You are still as Tua could end up having a Hall of Fame career. It is his second career start. You should be able to disrupt him, force him into some mistakes. He has not seen a, a, a player like Buda Baker, NFL Buda Baker. I mean, obviously Buda at some point was in college too, but he hasn't seen a player playing the way that Buda Baker is playing. I saw Aaron Donald last week, different position, but talk about a. Uh, Baptism by fire just being thrown in there and facing Aaron Donald in your first ever NFL start as a quarterback. But the Cardinals need to be able to take advantage of of the Dolphins now this week. This was uh, We played a, a clip from Tua earlier in the show. Here's another one after the game against the Rams. Oh, that was a good hit. That was a good hit. It's football. Try to step up, make a throw. Aaron Donald, you know, swiped at the ball behind me. And I don't know who the guy was that... that took me off my feet <laughs> and pretty much body slammed me but hey that's that's football and not gonna lie I, I i did enjoy getting hit that first time that was that was definitely a welcome if tua ends up being as good as the dolphins hope he's gonna be and as good as everybody was sort of anticipating going into last season in college football before he got hurt if he ends up being really good he's gonna have like a russell wilson like career because he's got that same similar personality of like, oh, everything's fun. Yeah, I just got pummeled by Aaron Donald. Wasn't it great to get hit? Now, uh, that kind of goes out the window if you go out there and play terribly. He didn't really play good or bad on Sunday. He just kind of managed the game, which is what you would expect. And and honestly, what Miami's probably going to ask him to do this week too. But again, they can't lean on Miles Gaskin. So if you're the Cardinals, you start to look at ways you can win this game Number one is probably above anything else is don't turn the ball over on offense because Miami's going to be counting on their defense to make plays or they're going to be counting on a backup running back to make plays or they're going to be counting on a quarterback making a second start. I mean, out of all those, the most dependable is probably their defense. If you're the Cardinals, if you can move the ball, not turn it over and just put up, I don't know, 24 points probably enough, 27 points if you're not turning it over. Great opportunity right there in front of the Cardinals to potentially go 6-2. and two. And by the way, Seattle is playing Buffalo, so it's it's certainly within the, uh, the realm of possibility that Seattle loses this week. So it's the Cardinals could be in a tie for first place with the tiebreaker after this weekend. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You obviously got to beat Miami, but like I said, it's right there. NFL trade deadline came and went today. Not a whole lot. Patriots getting Isaiah Ford, receiver from the Miami Dolphins. He's basically their number four receiver. So I don't think that's going to solve all the Patriots' problems at receiver. We uh, we went through and, and played the game earlier in the show. Can you name a Patriots receiver based on their first initial and last name? And it's not really easy to do. They had guys named Zuber and Izzo making catches last week in their loss to the Bills. Not much else went on. To me, the most glaring missed opportunity there is Green Bay not doing anything, not getting any weapons for Aaron Rodgers. And it's been reported that they were somewhat close to a deal with the Texans for Will Fuller. Also sort of weird the Texans didn't trade anybody away. That was that was supposed to be the big thing, was oh, they're going to they're gonna dump all their players here and, and start over. The thing to remember with the Texans, though, they're not in the business of trying to lose games because they don't have any of their picks in the first two rounds because Bill O'Brien gave those away too to Miami. 
Over to the NBA, this seemed fairly inevitable, and it's already being shot down by the Rockets. But there are rumors that Daryl Morey now in Philadelphia is going to try and get James Harden and bring him to Philadelphia. These rumors were out there before Daryl Morey even went to Philadelphia. Was that last week? So, I mean, these rumors have been out there now since about the end of the season. But they're obviously picking up a little more steam now that Morey is there. Obviously, Daryl Morey likes James Harden. I think most GMs and, and, and presidents of, of basketball operations or whatever his official title is now, most most of them would like James Harden on their team. Uh, the other team has to be willing to trade him, and I don't really know why Houston would be willing to do that. But that's at least something that's out there. Back to the NFL, there is the possibility of a 16-team playoff this season. We should be clear, that's not something that they're looking at implementing permanently. They, they implemented the 14-team playoff this season. That's permanent going forward. But they may have to switch at the 16 this season and this season only because of COVID and the possibility that if they can't get all the games in, essentially by week 18, like they kind of have that week 18 buffer, but if, they, if, if teams start to miss so many games that have already had bye weeks, so they have to keep getting pushed back and pushed back. They're not going to go past week 18. They're just going to expand the playoffs to 16 teams, not give anybody a first-round bye, which certainly hurts the uh, the top seed in each conference and probably helps a mediocre team get in. But uh, that's on the table. I don't love it. I don't like changing a playoff format midseason. They still haven't done it. It's just a contingency plan. So as much as I don't like it, I understand why they are are putting contingency plans out there because you have to with everything that's going on. And never has that been more evident than in college football where Wisconsin is having a second consecutive game canceled. 27 people around the program are now dealing with the coronavirus. So they were supposed to play Purdue this weekend. That's canceled. They were supposed to play Nebraska last weekend. That was already canceled. So the maximum amount of games that Wisconsin can play now this season is six. And I believe... Don't quote me on this one, but I believe you have to play at least six if you want to be bowl eligible in the Big Ten. You don't have to win six, obviously, because you're only playing six games, but uh, but you have to play at least six. So, I mean, it's out of their control. It's not <laughs> It's not like Wisconsin could be like, okay, well, we'll just play the last ones. Like, eh. But now you're up against it if you are uh, Wisconsin. And in case you somehow missed this, Trevor Lawrence is uh, sticking with college football. Not going to play this weekend against Notre Dame. That's not new news. It's just kind of a... A reminder on top of the Wisconsin news of of how messed up this college football season has been or is becoming, although I'm still excited about the Pac-12 kicking off this weekend. All right, we come back. We're going to hear from Dave Damashek, but before that, I'm also going to read through some of your responses to the best and worst trades in the history of Arizona sports. You can tweet into the show at Rundown987. We'll get to those next. It is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you're a very good guy and women. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. <laughs> All right, last hour we gave you our top five best and worst trades in the history of Arizona sports. Put it out there on Twitter at Rundown987. You can tweet there. You can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. Uh, you can tweet Bear at Bear987. Got a lot of good responses here. Um, let's see. Murdoch 
J.D. Martinez to the D-backs. Lee Stempniak to the Coyotes was a good trade for for the uh, the Coyotes. Barkley, um, Daniel Briere. This is from Will. Daniel Briere for Chris Gratton is a, a nightmare maker. That's another hockey one, and yeah, that wasn't a good one. Chris, this is a good one for worst. T.J. Warren and a second-round draft pick in exchange for question mark? <laughs> Uh, Rhino says worst was sending Schilling to Boston. That's a good one. That is a good one, and it's it's uh, reinforced by Chris, who writes in, "I'm a Red Sox fan. Thank you for Schilling." <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Andrew uh, has a good one. Richie Sexton for the entire infield. Yeah, I saw a couple of Richie yeah, Sexton. That ones. didn't work out very well. No, although he did hit one of the longest home runs. Yeah, I've ever he seen. hit his own face on the scoreboard, <laughs> and then he stopped playing baseball. That, that after was that. all. Yeah, he did nothing for the D-backs. Uh, not a vegetarian. Worst, Kevin Cobb. Oh yeah, was that that was DRC? DRC and like a yeah second round pick, and then they paid him all that money. All I remember about Kevin Cobb was he. Well, we've been through my memories of Kevin true. Cobb, before. and they're not good. They're not pretty. Uh, he would like fight rattlesnakes or something for fun. What? That's Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Are you sure you got the right no, guy there? Madison Bumgarner does it for sport. No, Kevin Cobb, I remember he like would he like maybe he just had the he came across a rattlesnake and like stepped on it with his rattlesnake boots or something. There was a lot of rattlesnakes, a lot of motifs in his stories, but then he played football and it was not good. Uh a lot of people saying Shaq is is one of the worst. Um people saying Carson Palmer, getting Carson Palmer for basically nothing from the Raiders. Uh absolutely. I mean that that would have been I did the top five best. Cody did the uh, top five worst. There's there's five really, I mean, there's more than five really good trades in Arizona sports history. There's just a lot of them haven't happened recently, but Carson Palmer would be honorable mention for me. Certainly. A lot of people are already saying the Hopkins trade is one of the best that, that the we've ever had here. I think, yeah, I mean. It's hard I, to argue so far. I think third is is fair, considering what you also got rid of in the deal and I don't think the Cardinals are five and two if they don't have Hopkins right now. Like, what is their record if they don't have Hopkins? They probably don't beat Seattle. You can't quantify exactly what he has done for Kyler Murray's development. So I, yeah, I mean, I would say they're probably still four and three. I don't. Maybe you don't beat San Francisco in Week One though either. So who knows? Dansby Swanson trade for worst is certainly uh, mentioned a few times. Eric Bledsoe mentioned for worst. Taylor Hall mentioned for worst. That one's painful because. There was such hope. Uh, I love uh, Steven's answer. Luis Gonzalez for whoever they gave up for. <laughs> That's a pretty good sign. It was a good trade. Uh, Dennis Johnson. Mark Wallstrom writes in Dennis Johnson for Rick Roby uh, as one of the the um, worst. And he got some responses to that one, too. So, yeah, keep them coming. We'll read those throughout the show. This is The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Sorry, I got distracted. I was reading the the list of uh, quarterbacks that will be competing for the job for the Cowboys. It's not just Cooper Rush. He doesn't just get handed that job. Is Tony Romo coming back? He should. Garrett Gilbert. Who is that? Sounds like somebody who... So we have Gilbert Rush and Garrett Gilbert? No, Cooper Rush. Oh, Cooper Rush. Garrett Gilbert sounds like somebody from Gilbert, Arizona, who just just taking it upon himself. I think Gilbert Rush should get a chance. What about Garrett Cooper? <laughs> hey, he's a baseball player, yeah, isn't he? he is, he is. <laughs> All right, so this is this or that. That had nothing to do with here. This or that, number one, Cody. Would you rather have Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush starting for your quarterback? That's not a question. Don't answer. Pass. Uh, Pass. Neither one of them can. Okay, so... Uh. 
It's a multiple. Multiple. Thank you. I appreciate that. That sort of emotional support. Uh, multiple choice, but only two possible answers. We make it simple here on the rundown. So we'll go back and forth. I will let you, Cody, go first. Okay. I feel like we were talking a lot about Daniel Jones recently, so I'll keep that trend going. We saw Daniel Jones and the Giants almost, almost, almost take down Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night. So if you are a New York team, or I guess if you are anybody, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold as your quarterback? No, I don't. That's know. one of your. That's why. one of your that's questions. A, it's okay, I have a fifth question. That's just in awesome. Case. But I, why do we both have that question? I don't know. This I, is, we're obsessed with how bad both of these teams are. Th- you know what it is? We live in Arizona. We're so used to not having a solution at yeah, quarterback yeah. other than Kirk. We have to find Palmer. it somewhere else. Yeah. So now we don't have the Matt Leinert's on the TV right now too. As I'm talking, oh, I don't know geez. why. So now we don't have that problem. We've got Kyler Murray, so we're looking for other teams that have that problem. Um, I think I'd rather have Sam Darnold, honestly. I think he's better, but we're never going to know that if he's on the Jets. Can you imagine Daniel Jones on the Jets? I mean, does it get more? <laughs> Daniel Jones on the Jets or Cooper Rush on the Cowboys? All right, well, I guess I'll cross that question off since we both had it. Sorry. Um, okay, this is more, which are you enjoying more? So which would you rather, okay. which would you rather continues? Okay. The Patriots struggling or the Cowboys struggling? Ooh. I think the Cowboys struggling gives me more joy. I don't even know why. I don't know why. I, I'm kind of with you, and I know that the, uh, the the pushback is, well, but the Patriots, this is more enjoyable because they've been good for so long. Yeah, but at least they've been good. The Cowboys, the Cowboys act like they've been good for yeah. a long time, and they're the Cowboys fans, at least, they act like they've been good for forever, and they've won Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Yeah, they... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> they haven't been good in a while. I, I know a few Cowboys fans who are pretty beaten down at this point with the way that team has uh, yeah. has played. Because they they had, it sounds crazy now, but eight weeks ago, they had like Super Bowl aspirations mm-hmm. for that team, which in retrospect is ridiculous. I know That Dak, defense is so yeah, bad. That's the thing. You can point and say, well, Dak got hurt. How are they supposed to win? Their defense is horrendous. Dak was just the cover-up on all the zits on the face that is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, that was almost poetic in a way. Almost. Almost. Uh, okay. All right. Well, it's official. Antonio Brown is back in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was officially activated today, and he will play this week. Bruce Arian said there's some kind of a role for him, whether it's 10 plays, whether it's 35 plays, we don't really know. So I'll ask you. Brady's got two of his favorite targets back now, Antonio Brown and Gronk. Hmm. Who will lead the Buccaneers in targets this week, Gronk or Antonio Brown? We know it's not going to be Mike Evans. They're playing the Saints, um, which probably doesn't really matter. In targets? Yeah. Who's he going to throw it I to the most? I think he's going to feed Antonio Brown. I really do. Um, by the way, Gronk, that touchdown last night, that wasn't great for me. <laughs> it just wasn't. Jerk. Um yeah, I, I I think if you ask me rest of the season, just because Gronk I think is more stable. Like Gronk will have more touchdowns, I think, rest of the season. But this week, for whatever reason, they just seem to love Antonio Brown. Yeah. So I feel like they're just going to force feed him the ball. And we don't know if Godwin's going to be back this uh-huh. week. Um, okay. You went to ASU. Yes, I did. So here are the options in front of you. Okay. ASU football wins the Pac-12 championship. 
or ASU basketball goes to the Final Four? Which it, would you rather? Oh, which would I rather? Yeah. Not what I think is going to happen? No, no, no. Yeah, what would you rather? Oh, man. I. Th- this is weird. I think I'd rather see ASU basketball in the, enti- in the Final Four. Do you have because, a, a like, reason? ASU football, they're playing seven games. Yeah. If they get that far, it's just like, okay, what are you really accomplishing? I, I don't know. Would it would it change your answer at all if I just said the next thing that happens? So this could be two years from now, three. It could be like in a normal season. Okay, would that change anything? Yeah, because I like football a little more okay. than basketball. But this year, I think I, if they even get there, I don't even know how they're going to get there. But I don't know. I don't even know how they're going to play out the whole season. I hope they do. It would be nice. Because the hype around ASU basketball is that this could be their best team in a long time. So there living is, up to that hype would be nice. That, that extra added jab, too, if ASU basketball gets to the Final Four while Sean Miller and U of A don't get to the Final oh, Four. Oh, yeah. There's, well, there's a little bonus Of course. There. I heard uh, on Burns and Gambo they play this soundbite from Keyshawn Johnson. And I'm going to talk about Sam Darnold again. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> he said that he thinks there's a chance the 49ers might trade for Sam Darnold. And that kind of surprised me. So I'll ask you, who do you think will be the 49ers starting quarterback next season? Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold? No! You have that on there I, I don't again? have Darnold on here, but I'll, oh, I'll, I'll give you my variation. Who okay. I think will be the starter in San Francisco next season. If you're telling me it's definitely one of them, I'll go Garoppolo. But I kind of don't think it's going to be either one of them. So here, I'll segue into my question. Okay. And you can... It, <laughs> As a Cardinals fan, okay, would you rather that the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback next season or just someone else? Because someone else, it's got to be realistic. It's going to be Sam Darnold or Jameis Winston or a draft pick, right? Mm. I, I don't. They're too far along. I don't think they would have a, a, a rookie be their quarterback with that defense. Sam Darnold. I mean, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is... Pretty bad. He's just mediocre enough, I think, to keep. I them guess I'd have down. to know who the other one is. Mm. What if it was Jameis? What if I just throw Jameis out there? Oh, that would be entertaining. That'd be for right. sure. I think I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo because Jameis can still throw touchdowns. Yeah, it, it, to, he might to throw thirty picks, but <laughs> you'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo from a Cardinals perspective. Yes. 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 Okay. All right. That's that was our Garoppolo segment of the show. <laughs> You're right. My last one for you here. There's Mexican food out in the newsroom right now. There we is. have both partaken in it. We've, we've eaten separate cuisine. That's, that's true. Okay. Soft tacos or crunchy tacos? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. It's a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one. I don't want to give you the the like cheap answer and say it depends on my mood, but just for clarification, that that is that is my actual answer. It depends on mood. Like, I don't always order soft tacos or always order hard shell, but I know you're pushing me that I have to answer one specific. Yes. I'm pushing you. This is me pushing you I know, to it's, answer. It's so aggressive. I don't even know what to do. I'm going to say crunchy. Mm. But if you had asked me <laughs> at a different time in my life, I would have said soft. Soft tacos all the way for me. Yeah. All the way. Now, like, if I'm... I, crunchy tacos sometimes make me mad because... It depends on the shell, but they'll fall apart as soon as you take that first bite. Yeah. Or they'll crack on the bottom, and it's just like I'm trying to hold it together. Sometimes it happens with it, soft tacos, too. It is too, like but... somebody handed you like a delicious chore. Like, here, yeah. this is going to be good, but you're going to have to work for it. Here, clean it up. I will say, I just had soft tacos, and the second one just ripped in half, and the whole studio's a mess now. Um, so it can happen both ways. Hmm. Um, 
if you're going like fast food, it's got to be soft shell. But if yes. you're going to more of like a sit down place, I th- maybe it's because if you go hard shell, they give you like a full taco. Sometimes they slide you those street tacos that are the size of like a half dollar, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, this will be eight dollars." <laughs> All right, uh, last one for you. Okay, you personally, I think maybe you'll have a, a more difficult time answering this than I would. With the talk from Rod Manfred this week. Oh, geez, <laughs> no. no. Would you rather have Rod Manfred or Roger Goodell run baseball? No. Oh, my God. Uh, that's not, I'll that, save that don't for next week. Don't ask me that. <laughs> um, with the talk from Rod Manfred of maybe, for some reason, wanting to have the World Series in neutral site, would you, Bear, rather attend the Super Bowl or the World Series? Because I know you're a at big a baseball neutral guy. St- at a neutral site? Uh, or just... Just Any in old. general. I don't, I, and I'm not saying the D-backs or Cardinals are in it. Let's say, in fact, actually the D-backs and Cardinals aren't in it. It's two okay. teams you don't really care one way or the other. I think I would rather go to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. If you'd rather go because to the Super Bowl, nobody would rather go to the, the World, World Series. Series <laughs> yeah. The World Series is, you know, it's not as much of an event as the Super Bowl is. And it's a week. Potentially week long series, that, yeah. Depending on off days and travel and whatnot, that's a full vacation. Yeah, and that's a lot of vacation time. Oh, have to use. see, you're looking at uh, practical. So the way. Super Bowl is just a weekend. Yep. And I would see the best two teams in football, and you know, also in baseball with the World Series, you'd have to go to two separate places. That's true. On a, on a normal World Series. And you don't know where those places are. Right. Like, it, could it could be, be cool. Like, it hey, could I'm going be to LA and New York. Toronto and Miami. Well, Miami, Miami would be kind of cool. Uh, where would be the worst? What city can we uh, frustrate anger people from? Um, the in- I guess Cleveland could make the World Series. <laughs> Cle- Cleveland and Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, well, not a lot of travel. All Ohio. You could just Uber back and forth yeah. between Cleveland yeah. and Cincinnati. Or you could go to the Super Bowl. So what if I framed it that way? Cody, you can either go to the Super Bowl or you can Uber back and forth between Cleveland and Cincinnati. I, I think I'd still have to choose the Super Bowl. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that was this or that. And it took a horrible turn there at the end. Uh, we'll come back with a little fantasy football talk. Who's rising and falling heading into week nine? That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, final segment of the show on this fine Tuesday evening. Pretty sure nothing else is going on tonight, so we're just going to talk a little fantasy football. Nah. Uh, a lot more responses, though. I appreciate these coming in at Rundown987 on Twitter for the best and worst trades in the history of Arizona sports. In case you missed it earlier, Cody and I. Cody did the worst five trades in Arizona sports history. I did the best five trades. So you'll be able to find that on ArizonaSports.com here shortly if you missed it. Uh, Band writes in, worst, Paul Goldschmidt for spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, they got they got Carson Kelly, although he took a huge step back this year. But maybe pretty much year. everybody took a step back on the D backs this year, except for Zach Gallon. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I got a lot more David uh, Dennis Johnson rather for uh, Ricky Roby. Um, a lot more Shaq for worsts. Ghostoffer wrote in. He went team by team. Coyotes best Ronick worst Briere. Suns best Barkley worst Marion. 
Cardinals best Palmer or Hopkins worst. He doesn't. He has question marks. Uh, D-backs best Gonzo worst Swanson. That seems pretty because that was you had Swanson as the worst trade of all yes, the sports, yes. and I had Gonzo as the best. So that that one seems pretty unanimous. All right, it's time for rising and falling. So the way this works is we're going to give you a quarterback, running back, and receiver on the way up, and a quarterback, running back, receiver on the way down. This is strictly fantasy football. So that's that's how we're approaching this. You, maybe you can pick up somebody here. Or I, most leagues have their trade deadlines this week or next week. Maybe you can trade somebody here by uh, buy low or sell high. So, Cody, I'm going to let you go first with a rising quarterback. Okay. My rising quarterback is Drew Brees. Oh. Uh, by the way, and you, you were talking about maybe you could pick him up. You probably you might be able to pick him up. Only rostered in 79% of leagues, so you could add him here. He's had uh, a really good last three games. He has seven total touchdowns in his last three games. He likes to apparently now do this little leaping QB sneak at the goal line. So that's really annoying, especially when you're facing him. <laughs> and you just hand it off to Kamara. No, no, okay. No, all right. <laughs> no, just let Drew Brees run it in. He has also thrown for at least 280 yards in his last three games. So the yards are getting up there. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Alvin Kamara run after catch type stuff because I don't think Drew Brees can still throw the ball down the field anymore. <laughs> um, and he has scored at least uh, 19 points in his last his last three games that, as well. I, I like your answer better than mine. I want to be clear with mine. <laughs> I would not okay. pick this guy up, and, okay. and especially this week. So I, he is not rising Cooper this week. <laughs> well, technically he is rising from wherever he was. Uh, I would not start this guy this week. He's playing Baltimore. But this is more just a public service. You realize Philip Rivers has 60 fantasy points, or I'm sorry, 58 fantasy points over the last two weeks? Yeah. How? I don't know. Naheem Hines did him uh, service I on Sunday. I wasted high picks on actual uh, quarterbacks, and Philip Rivers is outscoring them. Well, he's not outscoring Mahomes. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll say Philip Rivers. I mean,. The answer I wanted to give was Justin Herbert, but I gave him a couple weeks ago, and he continues to rise. Yeah, so. Philip Rivers is only rostered in 11% of ESPN Fantasy leagues, so he's definitely available yeah. in most leagues. Um, my falling quarterback, and it pains me to say this because he is on my team, Lamar Jackson. Lamar yeah. Jackson. Uh, it's been not too good for Lamar Jackson here recently. He has got five total turnovers in his last three games. Five turnovers. He hasn't thrown for over 208 yards in his last three games. Granted, one of those games he did have 100 yards rushing, so that did that him did him some good. But his best game against or his best game in that stretch of his last three games was against the Eagles, and the Eagles aren't very good. Also, Lamar Jackson. In his next three games, has to face the Colts defense, which is the number one fantasy defense. I still think they're number one in uh, in, uh, in fantasy football. The New England Patriots—they've taken a little bit of a step back, but they're still pretty good. And the Tennessee Titans. Oh, and uh, uh, just to go a game further, his fourth game at Steelers. Well, uh, that's that's daunting. Let me just jump in there though, as somebody that had to start the Titans defense mm-hmm. last week, lost by two because they got me negative one. <laughs> <laughs> on that Gronk touchdown, too, by the way. Uh, feel free to not start the Titans defense if you like yourself at all. Because that defense really, it's its deceptive because that team is good, and their defense was good last year, and their defense is trash this year. Uh, running back. Oh, my falling quarterback. Yeah, yeah. This uh, Josh Allen 
has really yeah has he's come off. down to earth huh uh, and I still like I said this is fantasy I still believe in him as an actual quarterback and it's not like I would get rid of Josh Allen off my fantasy team but he hasn't really been scoring a whole lot lately relative to what he was doing earlier this season so I, I don't I don't think it's teams like figuring him out, but his production has dropped. Buffalo really hasn't scored a lot of points in, in some of these games. It was it was fairly low scoring against the uh, the Patriots and uh, very shockingly low scoring against the Jets mm-hmm. the week before. So I'll go with Josh Allen as falling. All right. My rising running back is Cincinnati Bengals running back Giovanni Bernard. Uh, he has scored three total touchdowns in his last two games since filling in for Joe Mixon, who is injured. Uh, not sure when Mixon will be back. He's also been a factor in the passing game. He has uh, two receiving touchdowns in his last two games. Um, against the Browns, he had five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Against the Titans, your favorite defense there. Yeah. Uh, three catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. Don't He's, ever bring them up again. <laughs> he has scored in in those two games, respectively, 20.6 points in my league anyway. Not sure how other leagues are scored. 20.6 points against the Browns and 22.8 points against the Titans. They are the Bengals aren't a bye week this week though, so probably if you want to pick them up, they'd be for the week after that. But they're facing the Steelers, so I don't know. So no good there either. But they are facing the football team after that. So it might be a pickup and stash for a couple weeks type of player. I don't know. Um, that's a good one. My rising running back, and I can't remember if I gave him two weeks ago or not. But if I did then I've been vindicated because Zach Moss is yeah. taking over as the Bills starting running back. Now, if you look at, at if you, if you look beyond just touchdowns, Devin Singletary had very similar numbers to Zach Moss, but remember Moss is a rookie. He wasn't playing earlier in the season because he was hurt. He's getting the goal line work, he's getting work in the passing game, he's getting work on third downs. Like he's getting all the important care. At least he was last week and it had been trending that way for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. He is actually somebody you might be able to pick up out there in some leagues too. All right, my falling running back is Ezekiel Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys. He should be, should be on the rise, you would think. You would. Having no quarterbacks, you would think they would hand him the ball or at least check down to him in the passing game. He has only rushed for over 50 yards once in his last three games. One time. Also, he has not scored a touchdown in that stretch either. And... and like I said, you think they'd be at least checking down to Ezekiel Elliott? He has a combined two catches in his last two games for 16 yards and no touchdowns. He's been terrible. Listen, listen to these since they lost Dak Prescott. Against the Cardinals, 12 carries for 49 yards. Against the football team, 12 carries for 45 yards. Against the Eagles, who's not very good defense, 19 carries for 63 yards. Yeah. It's been bad. You that is one of those things where like if you have Zeke, you figure, okay, he's probably gonna take a hit he's in still, terms of touchdowns. Yeah. He's not gonna be down there, but he should get a ton of yards and catches. Now he's still the fourth best running back in the ranking somehow. Because everybody else is hurt. And he his first his first uh five games, the lowest point total he scored was seventeen point eight. So that's it's pretty been good. pretty good. But he has been on a terrible, terrible down uh down stretch. Recently, uh, my falling running back is he's hurt right now, and I wouldn't, I don't typically like, I'm not doing it because he's hurt. Mark Ingram, mm. I think has just lost his job. He I, didn't, I think he has too. He didn't play against Pittsburgh, but prior to that, 20 yards rushing against Philadelphia before the bye, so that was a couple weeks ago. 57 against Cincinnati yards, not points. 57 yards against Cincinnati. 
34 against Washington, 30 against Kansas City, 55 against Houston, 29 against Cleveland. He has not run for more than 57 yards in a game this season. He's only run for more than 34 yards twice this season. And I really, they seem to want to, they want J.K. Dobbins to be the starter eventually, but they're fine giving Gus Edwards the ball. I don't think he can start Mark Ingram even when he comes back until you see him actually have a good game. Yeah. All right, my rising wide receiver. I'm going back to the Bengals. Tyler Boyd from the Cincinnati Bengals. He has launched himself all the way up to the number eight overall ranking amongst wide receivers in ESPN leagues. He uh, he scored two total touchdowns in his last two games. Pretty good. Had a 101-yard day against the Browns two weeks ago. He's averaging 16.9 points per game. And like I said, he's worked himself all the way up to number eight. Again, the Bengals have a bye this next this upcoming week, and then they play the Steelers. But if Tyler Boyd's available in if you're in the two percent of <laughs> leagues that don't have him, might be able or to you could for trade him. for him if you would like. Yeah, exactly. He might be worth uh, worth a look there. I'm going to go real quickly. Rising Brandon Ayuk, San Francisco. They don't have Kittle, so that means probably more dump offs to him. He has 40 points, fantasy points over the last two weeks anyway, and he just seems to be getting better each week. They don't have Debo Samuel right now either, so Brandon Ayuk for sure if he's out there. Who do you have real quick for falling receiver? All right, my falling up? receiver is C.D. Lamb, another Cowboy. Well, <laughs> uh, terrible. They don't have a quarterback. He has just scored eight point seven. Combined points of the last two games. He only has four catches in his last two games for just 27 yards. Yeah, mine were uh, all the Cowboys receivers, so we're on the same page there, and that's a waste because there's some good talent there. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. Everybody have a good night. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been the rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.